Ladies and gentlemen, this is Pause Reviews. Hey everyone, and welcome to our kickoff episode for the month of December, where we will be drowning ourselves in delicious, succulent Christmas films, features, moving talkies. Yes. Roast beast. <laughs> as, as always, I'm your host, Frank, joined by my trusty co-host, Tim. Yeah. I'm so excited to be in this month. Yeah. Yeah. I am too. I'm still a little full from Thursday. I think mainly that's just because I found like four different ways to eat all our leftovers. I And because of your massive failure at being able to cook a two-person Thanksgiving? Yeah, I it just, you know, I, I thought four sweet potatoes sounded like the right amount for two people, but not when you mash them up and turn them into puree because we still have... <laughs> gallon of them in the but four doesn't well i know i mean like my wife will eat i mean sweet potatoes can be big yeah but yeah, like yeah, four yeah. doesn't sound like it would mash into like a ton of sweet potatoes but it did yeah, potatoes stretches a long way yeah so we've uh we're through everything now except the sweet potatoes but we made some which is the worst thing Oh, not for me. That's fine. I'll eat that for lunch tomorrow. But we've had the... Uh, I hate sweet potatoes. Oh, no. We can't be friends anymore. <laughs> uh, I found a shepherd's pie recipe that literally you just layer all your leftover Thanksgiving and throw it in the oven until it heats through. That mm. was kind of cool. Um, today, I used some mashed potatoes to make something crazy my mom used to make, which is stuffed hot dogs. And it's really just all the bad stuff for you piled on top of hot dogs wrapped in crescent uh like pillsbury crescent rolls so nice yeah it's, it's like kinda... a grown-ups pig in a blanket yeah yeah with yeah. bacon and cheese so Jesus. Um, yeah <laughs> but i immediately like as soon as thanksgiving was over i dived into like all of the christmas stuff i've been saving up the christmas beer the christmas cakes we already made cookies we're living our best life and i'm very full <laughs> christmas cakes yeah Christmas tree cakes. Oh, yeah. Like the little Debbie joints? Uh-huh. Yes, sir. I bought those like three weeks ago, and they've been in the back of the pantry just waiting for today. I love Christmas tree cakes. Yo, I love anything wrapped in cellophane sold by little Debbie. That's true. Yeah, man. That's so true. So, yeah, ours was good. We did something different this year. Alyssa was really craving Italian food. So right. at first she was like, I want to make our, one of our favorite restaurants is Maggiano's. So yeah. she was like, I want to make all of our favorites from Maggiano's. Let's try to make rigatoni D and let's try to make gnocchi and let's try to make this and that and the other. And I was just like, I'm the thing I hate. What I have decided is that I refuse to cook at Thanksgiving anymore. I am right. so, I think it's such a waste of time. So like you burn all day cooking, then you spend all night cleaning, you eat for 20 <laughs> minutes right. and all I want to do is watch football and hang out and relax. Like I get one day off. So yeah. I was like, I'm not doing it. So finally, uh, I just told her, I was like, you know, we're going to risk making all this stuff that you're like super craving and we're going to ruin it. You're not going to be satisfied. You're going to be upset. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, it's going to be a problem. Why don't we just pay Maggiano's to make it the right way and we'll go nice. get it and eat it. And that's what we did. And it was 
glorious. But there was only one day of leftovers. (laughs) Yes. We wolfed it. That's amazing. I I, I will say, though, I think we realized that I feel like our moms, you know, spent all day in the kitchen. And we, like, got up, watched the semblance of the parade, prepped some stuff, went for a walk, came back, watched planes, trains, and automobiles, put some stuff in the oven, finished the movie, ate, then watched Miracle on 34th Street, and we're like, what was the big deal? We were, like, in the kitchen for, like, (laughs) ten minutes. And by the time we sat down to eat, the kitchen was clean. Someone's doing this wrong. (laughs) Yeah, well, when there's only two people. Yeah, yeah, right. This is not that bad. So, um, you know, this was the year to do non-traditional. I mean, uh, I kept saying, if we mess anything up, we're only disappointing ourselves. So, it's all good. I'm in. Absolutely. What I'm excited about is that this year, Thanksgiving actually fell late in the month. So now it's genuinely like the three and a half weeks to Christmas. And now we can officially make the turn. We can officially make the switch. Christmas, hands down, greatest holiday for me personally. Yeah, yeah. And I have been so looking forward to this. As much as I dreaded And actually, I was really looking forward to October. So this might be a different, ooh, this will be a really good test. So in October, when we did the horror, you know, nothing but horror, it was a real drain on me. And I feel like that was, I thought at the time it was because not only just the subject matter, but just the watching the one thing only. So I didn't want to fully commit to that in December. But now I feel like maybe I want to and see and really put it to the test. Can you OD on Christmas movies like you can OD on Halloween movies? I don't know, because I think this episode will be an interesting case study in that, because we're going to kind of run the gamut of movie types in this episode. And I feel like Halloween, you either got horror or you got kids movie. Christmas can run all sorts of different genres. So I feel like you still get a different genre you you know it's still the flavor but it's you know it's like mint versus peppermint right (laughs) what (laughs) you know you got peppermint you got mint you got spearmint you mean spearmint yeah yeah you know you got like you got varieties of mint flavor right and so we're not just like one type of movie we got a lot a lot a lot of christmas movies okay (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny They're so drastically different, these <laughs> they are mints. <laughs> Man, there's like <laughs> it's like, you know, the subtle hints of difference between the vanillas. You've got <laughs> French vanilla, you've got vanilla bean, you've got regular vanilla. Yeah, they're all yellowish. Hey, you can't you can't start to tell me that if you had a candy cane and it was like winter mint. And not peppermint, that wouldn't throw you off. It would. But winter, I feel, winterman's not a real thing. Yeah, like we invented that. Well, with that, let's jump into some of these flavors. So this week, we decided our first rewind of the month, we wanted to talk about some movies that are considered Christmas movies, but are not your traditional Christmas. Like, mm-hmm. this ain't your mama's Christmas movie. Yeah. 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 Alternative and, Christmas. Yeah. And, and you know, we kind of sort of threw out this idea at the beginning, like, oh, let's, you know, let's debunk some of these as Christmas movies. But, like, that's sort of been done, and everybody argues about that. And really, I think we both came away from this going, well, these are movies that you could watch at Christmas if you feel like it, but they're not 
Elf, or they're not Miracle on 34th Street, right? They're not like dripping in Christmas. But if you want something festive, these might satiate you. We're not going to necessarily argue whether they're Christmas movies, but they might they might tick that box for you. Yeah, and similar to what we did in October with the Halloween movies for people who don't like horror movies. Yeah. This is this is basically, you know, if you've got a, you know, you want to scratch that itch and you want to throw something on, like you said, something festive but isn't, you know, vomiting Christmas all over the screen, <laughs> but you want to just sit back, relax and just celebrate on a, you know, virtual watch party with some friends because please stay home. But these might be some movies that you could get into and movies that, you know, the the main oomph of the movie isn't all about that. It's it's got the flavor, but it's telling a different story. Yeah, which could be fun. It could be fun to break it up. So the movies that we're talking about this week are 1984's Gremlins, 2017's Anna and the Apocalypse, 1988's Die Hard. You can't do an episode like this without at least mentioning Die Hard. Nope. Um, and then we're going to wrap it up with 1995's While You Were Sleeping. So mm-hmm. those are the four movies we're talking about today. And we'll, you know, dabble in a few other titles here or there. I feel like yeah. this topic just lends itself to some tangent conversation or debate. But uh, let's kick it off with Gremlins from 1984, rated PG. And uh, where can you watch it? You can watch it via a TV subscription um, because I think it's playing on AMC right now. So I know like I have YouTube TV and it it pops up. There's, you know, times running on AMC so you could record it there or whatever. Uh, I didn't see it on demand per se, but you can definitely catch it. Yeah, for sure. When you watched this one, Tim, I know I had some feelings. What were your thoughts on Gremlins? Yeah. Had you well, I guess first, had you seen it before? Yes. Okay. So and then what had, what were your immediate thoughts? I had seen it before. I'm much more well versed in the second one. The for whatever reason I've seen Gremlins two a new batch <laughs> multiple, <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. Um and maybe have only seen Gremlins once. I will say I was I remember the movie fairly well, like the major plot points and the ending very vividly. But this movie was a lot goofier than I remember it. I remember it being much darker and more on the realm of a pure horror movie than it was. And then the sequel being super, super, super goofy and schlocky. Mm. So I was a little when we started talking about it, I was like, eh, maybe this is a little pushing it, you know, coming out of Halloween. Maybe this doesn't fit the mode of this. But this was a lot goofier than I thought it was. And I know this is in the pantheon of 1984, 85 movies, you know, with Back to the Future and Ghostbusters. And But I'm really disappointed in watching this movie as an adult. Yeah, I so this is one of those that, for whatever reason, it plays a certain way in your head. And yeah. when we were planning the episode, I don't remember which one of us did it. Maybe it was me. But we threw it out there, and it was yeah. just like, this is a Christmas movie. I, I kind of vaguely remembered it as such, and, and right. also thought, like, this could be fun. This could be that thing yeah. that sort of bridges the gaps, you know, brings those Halloween folks that, you know, maybe aren't as big into Christmas. This could be something for them, mm-hmm. you know, that they could watch yep. with friends, whatever. But fully expecting it, 
I just I remember liking it and and I agree with you. I feel like it was goofier than I remembered. And there's a reason I I feel like I really remember Gremlins 2. And and yeah. it was a reason I didn't choose that one. First it's not really set at Christmas, but then also additionally it was just, you know, it was the super campy crappy sequel. Yeah. Right. And and so I thought this one might be more interesting and I was really surprised to find out that I really hated it. Like, I yeah. did not enjoy this movie. So, for those of you who maybe haven't seen it yet, uh, Gremlins is the story of this uh, guy, this inventor, who buys a mogwai for his son as a Christmas present and yep. brings it home. This is Gizmo, the super adorable mogwai that we all know and love. And baby Yoda before there was a Baby Yoda. Exactly Baby Yoda before there was a Baby Yoda. So he brings it home, and there's a few rules. Don't show it sunlight and no bright lights. It doesn't like bright lights, and sunlight will kill it because it's part vampire, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Um, sure. Also, do not get them wet and never feed them after midnight. So getting them wet causes them to reproduce, and feeding yep. them after midnight turns them into gremlins. So for us, we were watching things with a few questions, right? And Tim, yep. you had posed some. Yeah. So what I was kind of looking at when when we were, you know, going into these movies was does this movie have to take place at Christmas, right? Does I like that does one. does this have to happen now in December on this holiday in order for it to be this movie, for the action of this movie to take place? You know, why was it written this way? Why did a writer choose this? Was it it, you know, sort of it, it in the same vein of that first question, but a little bit different. You know, is it is it was it integral to their their thought process? Is it just to, you know, bump up the feels, you know, like, oh, you know, let's just set it at Christmas so we get some built in butterflies into this, you know, where people start thinking about Christmas and they'll be happy, but it doesn't really matter. You know, stuff like that. And then the last yeah. one is, do we remember it as being Christmassy? And, yeah, there and I think that's, you know, I think that's a really interesting one, too. So and I kind of used those as I was watching these. And I think in terms of gremlins, for me, do I remember it as Christmassy? Yeah, it totally triggered in my brain as yep. this being a Christmas movie when we were trying to come up with a list. I even remember my initial feeling when I was a kid watching this for the first time, be like, this movie set at Christmas? Like, that just didn't seem right to me. Because, you know, that I think if you think of the cover art and things like that, it's just, you know, it's Gizmo or maybe the Gremlins in the background or something. There's nothing. You wouldn't pick this off the shelf at Blockbuster and be going, ooh, I'm going to watch this at Christmas. So I remember that juxtaposition not making sense what, you know, 10-year-old me in 1995. <laughs> I feel like the visual I remember from the movie itself, which wasn't on the artwork, I don't think, was Gizmo in the Santa hat. Oh, interesting. Like, I yeah. remember that. Um, as I remember, Gizmo dressed as Rambo. Like, those are, like, yeah. the two costumes I knew yep. Gizmo wore, and it was adorable. So, yep. but when getting back to, like, the movie itself and you, and the questions, you know, did it have to be set at Christmas? No. And, and I feel like most of these sort of alternative Christmas movies, they don't necessarily need to be. Right? right. This could have easily been a birthday present. This could have been just a random the the inventor stumbles into Chinatown trying to pawn his stuff off to people and stumbles across this pet and brings it yep. home. There could yep. be no reason at all. Um sure. so, you know, I don't think that was necessarily the case, but you know, as to why, I, I think this is going to be the answer for most for me is like Christmas adds a natural flavor and especially when you're making a quote horror movie or mm -hmm. creature flick 
setting it in Christmas just immediately adds a flavor that is unexpected and sort of puts the whole thing on its head. Yeah, I I think, you know, they also look at it. Is there a more pure time of the year to defile? (laughs) You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. White snow, happy joy. And all of a sudden you've got these gross gremlins running around. Yeah, it just kind of there's a, a juxtaposition there that is just more stark, uh, potentially. It just, you know, it, again, 10-year-old me did not understand that. <laughs> yeah. So watching this movie, what I didn't realize, and to sort of, you know, start the the review of the movie itself, yeah. this, this movie it almost is two different movies mm-hmm. in one. The first half or so of the movie is decent. It's interesting, mm-hmm. right? As we watch Gizmo interacting with the family and then the accidental spilling of the water and, and yep. what does that cause? And now we see, and then you feed them on accident and now they're in these chrysalis things. And so what's going to happen next? There's a lot of interesting stuff that happens and it kind of holds your attention. I think the downfall of this movie, which is kind of crazy to say, but I think the downfall of this movie is Steven Spielberg. So yeah. Steven Spielberg produced this film. This movie was supposed to look a lot different, and I can't help but wonder if they had made it with the original intent, would it have been better? So some of the key things were Steven Spielberg really downplayed a lot of the death scenes and and some of these. There was a lot more visceral and kind mm-hmm. of gross practical effects that were supposed to take place throughout the movie. And Spielberg axed all of them. He wanted this to appeal to a, a broader audience and, and I guess to make the PG rating. Secondly, he changed a massive plot point where originally the film was set to have Gizmo transform into the Stripe Gremlin. So mm-hmm. he wasn't going to continue as a Mogwai. He was you know, going to be the cute, adorable Mogwai. And then when he makes the flip, and he was going to become the head gremlin. And they were going to terrorize the town or whatever. And Spielberg decided that he was too cute and didn't want him to not be in the second <laughs> half of the movie. But the problem is, this movie's made in 1984 with practical yeah. effects. They had built the puppets, a certain number of them, for a certain purpose, right? Because a lot of these yep. are custom built for one scene, one yeah. mechanism to function. Yep. And they didn't have a gizmo who could perform anything in the second half of the movie. So the whole second half, you leave gizmo alive But he does nothing. And then these gremlins come to life. And really, besides being annoying and a nuisance to the town, nothing happens. Nothing of significance occurs. They don't die in some significant way. The story just sort of ends and doesn't go anywhere. And instead, I just found the scenes with the gremlins to be really annoying. Yeah, I mean, the only person that actually dies is the only person you'd want to die in the first place that we know of in the context of the movie is the real estate lady who everybody in town hates right so, the real estate well and the t- the teacher the science teacher dies oh and too. the teacher correct right. um so you know like, i mean not really he wasn't the greatest character wasn't really emotionally invested in his survival and the the real estate lady like she was a jerk and you wanted her to be dead in the first place so yeah. <laughs> no big loss but you know i think what you're touching on is one of the things I was expecting and had forgotten is that in Gremlins 2, Gizmo 
plays a bigger part. He does like, he's a big part in the end. He does his little Rambo impression. And I was sort of waiting for that similar thing in this movie. And it doesn't really happen. Ultimately, you know, what do we feel bad? Do we feel bad for this town? Like, oh, your Christmas is sort of ruined, I guess. Like, sucks. Uh, yeah, I just, what I ended up feeling like is they got carried away in the second half. And um, if anybody has seen, there's a key and peel sketch that is about Gremlins 2, about, and if you watch this sketch, then you never need to see Gremlins 2 because it essentially tells you <laughs> exactly <Yeah. laughs> how ridiculous that movie is. But I feel like the same thing could be replayed for the first one. It's just like they did what they needed to do to get to this part of the movie where they really just wanted to go hog wild and make all these Gremlins do crazy things. And that's where they had fun. And then they just kind of buttoned it up at the end and said, you know, wiped their hands and they were done with it uh, to the point that I texted you and I was like, how did this never get made into a ride at Universal? Because the second half of this movie just feels like I could be sitting there going through scenes on, you know, on like instead of the E.T. ride, you know, you're in a snowplow going through different vignettes with the gremlins are, you know, going nuts. Because that's essentially what it is. It just feels like animatronic porn. Like it's just, yeah, they, they get carried away with that. And it, the, the, the plot just stops and that's it. And I feel like, you know, there's no doubt that this movie is supposed to be campy, right? Like, I'm yeah. not going to sit here and be like, oh, the gremlins weren't realistic or believable. No. Right. But, you know, there was a there was a heart to the first half, even among the camp and the cheese and the ridiculous that was yep. lovable and endearing. And it gets totally lost in the second half where it seems that the only focus is how many references, how much pop culture stuff, how much ridiculous stuff can we fit in and have these gremlins do? All of that came at the expense of any kind of through story, right? Yes. Like Gizmo wasn't attached to these gremlins, even though they came from him. Gizmo right. didn't participate in ending them so that it nope. didn't affect anything bigger. There was no bigger story, no arc that sort of guided you through where you could enjoy the crazy and for funny for what it was there was just no substance though that you could enjoy that and then still come back around and feel like you took that journey for a reason there's yeah, just no there's, reason there's very little that is set up in the beginning that that has any sort of payoff the who the learns dad, anything not nobody the dad is this you know two-bit inventor and that's pointless besides a few sight gags like his inventions don't save the day. In fact, the dad is not even anywhere near this movie when the gremlins go insane. He shows up at the end and it's like, oh, what happened here? So it's a, there's a lot of things that just fall apart again for what seems like the express purpose of let's run wild with, you know, the practical effects and we'll, we'll kind of figure this out as, as we get to it. I mean, there's just even things that I hadn't noticed before, you know, they, they get wet and they multiply yet they're out in the snow and they're tracking gremlin footprints through the snow. And if you've ever been in snow, what happens to snow when it gets on your person, you get wet. So how were these gremlins not walking down the street you know, pop, pop it off. New off everywhere. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like it just, it really started to bother me. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And you know, so it does, it just falls apart. And then when you put it to everything you just said, you know, about Spielberg, you know, manipulating this stuff, maybe as a kid. And if you love this movie, I can see that. But as an adult coming back to it, 
Uh, I'd, I'd pass on it, unfortunately. I mean, can you imagine if Gizmo became Stripe and Gizmo had formed this bond? I can't even remember the the kid's name. What's the guy's Billy. name? Billy. Thank Billy. you. Yeah. If Gizmo and Billy formed this bond in the first half of the movie and then suddenly like Billy has to kill the gremlin who is yeah. Gizmo, who is his beloved pet, or right. can Gizmo come back? Right, like you can find, I feel like that original story had potential to have some real moments of of substance and consequence, yeah. yep. whereas this movie just takes you, it's it's just a staircase that leads to nowhere. Um, so this ends up, and I I'm mean, not looking really... for this to be like cinema, I'm just no. saying like any any story would do, any story would have done. And that's why, you know, this sort of my question comes into play. It's like, why? Why set this at Christmas then? What did that do? Like, was it to get me to have some sort of feels? Was there something I missed about this? Because I could care less in the end. <laughs> Except for the matter. hilarious story of Phoebe Cates' dad dying. Yeah. <laughs> at like, I've never <laughs> laughed harder. But I feel like that was intentional. <laughs> I know. And yeah. my wife says, uh, she goes, serves him right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not going to spoil it for you. So, I mean, I don't know, guys. In the end, I picked Gremlins because I thought it was going to be good, and it was a swing and a miss. Yeah. Um, you know, and I love campy, ridiculous, hilarious comedies, and horror comedies in particular. And mm-hmm. if you sprinkle in some Christmas into that too, I feel like you are setting yourself up for a real winner. And this yeah. was a massive, massive dud. Um, yep. I give it a two out of ten, just because Gizmo is super cute. So check yeah. him out, and then turn it off. It's you know, it's it's like the people. There are some people who will watch like Full Metal Jacket up until. Arlie Ermy dies and then uh-huh. they turn it off because yeah. the second half is just a different movie. That's Gremlins. Watch it yeah. until Gizmo pops off some Gremlin babies and then <laughs> turn it off. I think if you want to watch a, an alternative Christmas movie that Steven Spielberg didn't ruin, you should watch Hook. And yeah. Hook was one I forgot that was it wouldn't check the box of does it feel Christmassy for me. I right. forgot it takes place during Christmas. Absolutely. And it was you, Tim, who called yeah. that out to me. Yeah, it's a little strange because um, I don't know if they, they live in California or what, but like his, Peter's son is playing in the Santa Series baseball game and like nowhere on the East Coast are we still playing Little League in December. So like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, at least in the Northeast, I don't know about, you know, Georgia or Florida or something like that. But so that always threw me a little bit. I was like, wait, the Santa Series. But then when they get over to, to, to visit Wendy in London, you know, it's snow and Christmas lights. Oh and yeah, festive and and England, um, which for some reason yeah. feels very Christmassy to me. Correct, right? So, and then that movie just it, it it has a charm and a fantasy to it, which a lot of people take and run with. Uh, you know, the Harry Potter movies. There's in the first what two movies? There's some Christmas scenes, and those are pretty lengthy movies. That's magic. That spirit is kind of in in hook the way it is in in the harry potter movies um so i feel like that's enough to that magic to kind of carry you through the surprising thing about hook and i know like gremlins is beloved hook is not hook has got some bad ratings on rotten tomatoes but i have loved that movie for years i think it's brilliant dustin hoffman is great robin williams is great you've got and dustin uh, hoffman was supposed to be david bowie yeah yeah yeah. he wasn't even uh, the first choice Right. Um, but it's one of those roles that just makes so much sense. Uh, I can't imagine it any other way. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's just a movie I grew up with, and it does remind me a lot of holidays because my grandmother had a VHS copy of it, and we'd watch it at her house every time we were over there. It was mostly holidays and stuff. So that has a very sentimental um, feeling for me in that movie. And I think you see it on TV uh, a lot, but especially around the holidays. So, you know, if you want that that Steven Spielberg movie, go with Hook, especially if you've got maybe some younger kids. Not to say that Hook isn't a little scary they're both pg and hooks had some traumatizing moments for me i think uh we may have mentioned previously uh one or, once or twice the boo box where they drop scorpions in on on a pirate that is glenn close the and, boo box oh yep. god that has terrified me for years you know it's a fun movie it's it's fantasy it's it's uh it also could have been a ride at universal studios <laughs> but well, I took us on a random tangent to Hook. So we obviously recommend Hook if you're looking for a Christmassy Spielberg alternative Christmas movie. Yep. But Gremlins, I gave it a two out of ten. Tim, what did you give it? Yeah, I'll go three. I think just because I know people, you know, it's a classic to some people. And uh, <laughs> but my my disappointment is there because I was really looking forward to like falling in love with this movie and being like, Oh, you know, this is one of those that I've just missed all these years after having, having not seen it for so long. I'm good. Yeah, I agree. Sorry guys. We were so excited, but that does lead us to one. I am excited to talk about. So where gremlins yeah. fails, I think this one succeeds and I have to give a shout out, man. I hope she's listening. I want to give a shout out to, I, I think Sarah uh, Cohen was who put this on our radar many I know years Allison, ago. A friend of ours, Allison too, had also talked about this movie. So I can't remember. It might've been a joint conversation. I'm not sure. Yeah. A joint venture between Sarah and Allison. So yeah. we're going to give a shout out to both of them. We're going to give a shout out to Allison and a shout out to Sarah, because if you are looking for a Christmas alternative movie that also gives you a little bit of the creeps and has that horror element to it. And if you don't mind a good musical, then yep. you need to throw on Anna and the apocalypse from 2017. Mm -hmm. It's rated R and it's, it's a light lift, man. It's just, it's a smooth buck and a half. It's an hour yeah. and a half basically. And it is the story of five or six high school kids who are suddenly caught at Christmas in the throes of a zombie apocalypse. And yep. so you've got Christmas, you've got high school, you've got singing, you've got zombies. What doesn't this movie have? It is, it's like high school musical meets Shaun of the Dead meets that's it. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you even get a little bit of a, um, an evil madman at the end too. Like a little, uh, he comes off kind of Rocky horror to me, a little Dr. Frankenfurter. I don't, I don't oh, know. Oh, the headmaster, the headmaster. Yeah. yeah. He just gets swept up. Savage in headmaster. Yeah, Savage. Yeah. Which really plays off. Um, I, this movie actually surprised me. I was kind of, wasn't really looking forward to getting into it because they had mentioned it before. And I came on, I uh, came across it on TV one day and I was maybe 20 minutes in, maybe not even that far. There's a scene where Anna, the titler character comes out of her house in the morning and she's a little peppier than she was the day before. And she's kind of singing in the streets, not recognizing the, the demise of her town that is happening around her due to the zombies. Yeah. And I watched that through a zombie kill. And I was like, this is just stupid. And I watched the first zombie kill and I was like, this is over the top. And I was like, eh, I'll start it again someday. And I left it at that. So I was kind of like, 
get through this. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I really, right? really did. Once you accept what this movie is setting out for you, and I think watching it from the start really helps doing that. Once you settle into the camp of this movie, it is fun. It is surprising. And it's a little bit more brutal than I ended up expecting. So I mean, it uh, is know, rated R. Yeah. And it I mean, feels high school musically, but yes. there are moments that are so mature and intense that you're just yep. like, oh, <laughs> yep. you feel like it, it's, it feels even more out of place, which only adds to the just the discomfort that you feel. I mean, this movie drips Christmas. I mean, yes. it is everywhere and it permeates every element of this movie. I mean, yes. you've got zombie Santas and zombie snowmen. There's a, a Christmas pageant thing going on. Anna's weapon is a candy cane that's sharpened yep. on one end. You yep. know, like, I mean, it is, it's everywhere. And so out the gate, it feels uncomfortable because it's this gory, offensive Christmas thing. Mm-hmm. And then you factor also in that the songs are somehow both. I don't know, like innocent and childish, but mature at the same time. The whole movie is a juxtaposition to itself. It is crazy fun. Yep. It is a much brighter movie than Gremlins too. like just in the way it's filmed, which I think Mm. really kind of helps that juxtaposition, especially as I was talking about it in Gremlins. Gremlins sells happens at night. It's all dark, right? So you get a lot of Christmas lit scenes and things, you know, like from Christmas lights lighting the scene. But Anna takes place a lot during the day, and you have all these bright, garish, over-the-top Christmas elements. And then these zombies, and the skies are blue for the most of it. It doesn't feel environmentally apocalyptic. Um, I feel like, you know, a lot of times you get a zombie movie, and it's, you know, overcast and cloudy. And everything is bright and cheerful in this movie, and the zombies are dirty and nasty and like you said there's the santa and there's a tree farm uh they try and cut through the tree farm and they get mowed down and then lose a bunch of their friends in a tree farm but yeah you just the zombies with these bright songs it's it's just it's a lot of fun and you feel really conflicted about watching this movie because it there's just you're being pulled in different directions constantly um you know your heart is going one way and another and then another and honestly I kind of set out in the beginning. I was like, ah, I can't imagine they're going to kill that many people during this movie. It's too happy for that. A lot of people don't survive this movie. (laughs) And you are left with a very interesting amalgamation of survivors. Uh, It's not necessarily people I would have expected at the end that to make it out. And a lot, a couple of the deaths really hit hard. You really feel sad when a couple of these characters die because, you know, they were starting to live their best holiday life after a little rough opening and they don't make it. I, I think this movie is a really great example of what the gremlins movie failed to do, which was mm-hmm. to be campy, ridiculous, unbelievable, but still be fun and tell a decent narrative that carries you through. And there's yeah. some moments that are, I think, I think they're meant to be heartfelt that fall mm-hmm. on the side of ridiculous, but, <laughs> but you know, you see growth in the characters, you see them go through an arc, you see them Follow this through line to the end and you mm-hmm. as the viewer feel like you have successfully watched a movie and, and yeah. that didn't just give up on itself, um, yeah. which the Gremlins movie seems to, it feels like it did. 
So, you know, I think, you know, if you're looking to kind of scratch that dual itch and like us agree that Nightmare Before Christmas is not a Christmas movie, then then this might be the one for you. You know, in terms of the questions, does it feel Christmassy? Without a doubt. It's like I said, it's everywhere. Does it have to be said at Christmas? You know, I had thought no at first just because, you know, this could have easily been a talent show it could have mm-hmm. been like prom right and this you know mm-hmm. the theme could have you know the under the sea this or that or the other and you could have people dressed up or, or whatever i mean it could have been a lot of things would it have been as good no yeah no i think it does need a little a, a little boost maybe from that christmasy business it might get lost in the shuffle if it doesn't have that element to it right that just kind of puts it in a in, in a different category whereas you might just get it might just get lost you know kind of like what we saw with happy death day right like it was a slasher mm-hmm. movie but it had that one little difference that really kind of separates it right so i think um that's sort of how i feel about this it's got a little different flavor to it that just makes it stand out this movie is like the cheesecake factory of zombie christmas comedy musicals right like it's doing all four of those things and it does them all pretty well right yeah you know and and there's enough it's it's the perfect ratio of each thing to the other where it, it makes sense and it heightens each element without overpowering or something getting lost, right? Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. it is a fully it is fully a musical. I think yep. it is fully a musical first. Yep. It's a zombie movie second, which yep. already sold. I'm sold, right? Oh yeah, sure. And it's a comedy. Great. I'm yep. fully in. And it's a Christmas movie. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yep. this yep. is a unicorn. Um yep. and that again, it is not to say this movie is the greatest thing ever made. But it is hugely successful in what it's trying to do. It's totally different than something you've seen before. And it could be a lot of fun, especially in a group where you've got people who, you know, are more into that Nightmare Before Christmas, that kind of thing. Or or big Halloween fans Mm -hmm. who are maybe reluctant to watch campy, cheesy Christmas movies. This might be a good watch for you guys. Yep, 100%. Definitely worth it for any one of those things alone, uh, actually. Absolutely. To put all four together, um, you know, and again, 93 minutes on Hulu. So, you know, it's not going to waste your time. You can get to all your other holiday classics if you really hate us for this one. Yeah, it's on Hulu. It's also on uh, Prime Video. So if you don't have Hulu, but you've got Amazon Prime, you can check it out there. Um, What did you give it, Tim? You go first Um, on this one. I think I'm... I'll go seven out of 10. Um, It just, it really, it really comes together in ways that are surprising. And I really wish that I had made Carissa watch it with me because I think she would have liked it. I I really think, again, like I said, there's enough of those pieces that it does well that somebody's going to find something you like about it. Like, I really want to go listen to the songs again because I think they were all a lot of fun. This is the second time I've watched it. I liked it just as much as the first time. And I probably will watch it one more time before the season's over. I agree with you. I I had it as a 7 out of 10 as well. I think it's so much fun. I think even when it fails because of the cheesiness, it's intentional. Uh, sometimes, (laughs) Sometimes there'll be a really bad song 
And but then it just ends on a real high moment, like a crazy zombie yeah. death or or something else. I think the kid with the ridiculous Christmas sweater kills me throughout yeah. the movie. Yep. And you know, but not only is it a lot of fun and ridiculous and whatever, there was a surprising amount of heart. Like you said, some of the deaths mm-hmm. really hit hard. And they have these really great ways. And I don't want to ruin anything or spoil anything, but there's some really great moments throughout this movie where you it gives you some real feels mm-hmm. uh, which is wholly unexpected yes um yep. you know it doesn't sacrifice any one element for the sake of another everything mm-hmm. lives on an equal plane and it's really impressive to see that play out yeah so yeah yep. seven out of ten and i highly recommend this one highly definitely. recommend it definitely so we're about to try to tackle a beast and we're gonna give it five minutes because this <laughs> movie has been debated for centuries <laughs> since the dawn of time yep. is die hard a christmas movie so we watched die hard uh 1988 rated r at a whopping two hours 12 minutes yeah. uh die hard is available on hbo max so you can watch mm-hmm. it there tim had you seen this before nope you weirdo <laughs> <laughs> this was Tim's of- <laughs> Die Hard Cherry. <laughs> yeah, I have probably seen more things about Die Hard than Die Hard itself. Um, I've watched uh, there's a Bob's Burgers episode. There is a YouTube channel called Cinefix that does uh, What's the Difference? Uh, they, I think they, they talk about the book and the movie. And there was, I think Netflix had that series on the movies that made us. Yeah. And uh, they had an episode on Die Hard. And <laughs> I watched that. So when we were working at Fords together, Tim, you and I, yeah. there was uh-huh. one December where uh-huh. a mystery person had printed out John McClane crawling through the air ducts and taped yeah. it up to the air duct in our office, which was hilarious, glorious, and drove a yeah. lot of people crazy because I don't know if to this day yeah. the mystery has ever been solved as to who did it. No, but you know it wasn't But me. did you, <laughs> right, and I guess, Mike, did you even get the reference? Yes, okay. yes, right. yes. So pop culturally, I understand Die Hard. And I think it's just one of those things where it's like, I know enough about it. And it just, you know, I don't know if it's like you and The Great Escape. Uh, it's just, it's a movie that I know is there and it's culturally important. And it's, a, you know, a generally considered a good movie. I just never felt the need to watch it. <laughs> so for those of you in the Tim camp who have never seen Die Hard, the general premise is uh, John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, is a New York City cop. His wife... Her job sent her over to L.A. And so she and the kids are living in L.A. They've been apart for a couple months, obviously having some marital issues, trying to figure things out. But John flies to L.A. for the holidays, tired of being by himself, wants to see the fam. And he goes to meet her at her company Christmas party, Mm -hmm. which just so happens to be the exact time that Hans Gruber, a la Alan Rickman, R.I.P., one of the mm-hmm. greats. He comes in with his uh, German team of baddies to rob the tower and, you know, craziness ensues. So a one-man wrecking crew, as it were. Yeah. Tim, your, since you hadn't seen this before, what uh-huh. were your thoughts on the movie in general? And okay. was it Christmassy? Was it a Christmas movie? Did it, whatever our questions are, what are your thoughts? So, I'm actually surprised 
how much I really did enjoy this movie. Oh, I'm so and glad you liked it. I am positive that had I seen this movie younger, this would absolutely be, you know, like one of my favorite go-to movies. I will definitely watch this again. Um, you know, if I see it on TV, I will stop and watch it. Um, there's just something about it that, especially in light of more modern action movies, feels a little bit more grounded. <laughs> it's, it's a little ridiculous to say based on like, if you take some of the things that happened in this movie at face value, you're like, you know, repelling down a building with a fire hose that's grounded. Well, yeah. Did you watch the rock in skyscraper or whatever that, that movie was you know, when he became on. a human like, bridge? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it, there's just something about it that that's a little bit more uh, believable. I don't know. But it's fun. And, you know, there's some great humor in it. Um, the relationship between John McClane and Al Powell, <laughs> their relationship is great. I love when they get to meet each other at the end. This cast is kind of crazy. It's all over the place. You recognize a ton of people in this movie. The henchmen are really, really interesting. You've got uh, Alexander uh, Godunov. Not exactly how you say his last yeah, name. Godunov. Uh, uh, but he was in The Witness and he was a ballet dancer and he historically was really picky about his roles, wanting to play something different. And to see him as an Amish guy in The Witness and then this big bad who gets hung but doesn't die and then comes back at the end. Um, you know, and then you got a, a little cameo sort of from uh, one of the scariest figures of my early life, which is um, the guy who played Vigo the Carpathian in Ghostbusters 2, who was a German boxer in real life. Um, uh, he scared the crap out of me uh, as a kid, and to see Willem von Homburg show up in this movie as a henchman was definitely terrifying. But just everybody else who shows up too—it's just—it it ends up being a lot of fun. It's really enjoyable. But I firmly come down <laughs> on the side that this is not a Christmas movie. I can see how people have taken this and you know they say it's not christmas until i see hans gruber fall from nakatomi plaza like i get that if that's become your thing great but out of the movies we watched this was the least invoking of christmas and the christmas spirit to me i feel like you could take that piece out of this movie it is still a great movie, but I would never feel like I missed anything. You know, it's not nowhere near going to be on my list of must watch for it to be Christmas. Yeah. So I, I agree with you completely. I think this is one of the best action movies that have ever been made. Sure. And and to guide your diehard watching forward, because there are four of them, yep. right? You can skip Die Hard 2, Die Harder. <laughs> Although it does take place at uh, Dulles, which is interesting. Okay. But that movie's awful. You can skip Die Hard 4, uh, Live Free or Die Hard. Uh-huh. That's a big pooper. But Die Hard 3, Die Hard with a Vengeance, awesome. You must watch that one. And it ties into this one. So Got it. It's, it's a fun watch. Okay, that aside... I agree with you completely. I think it's one of the greatest action movies ever made. I think it is a ton of fun. I think the lines, I mean, so many iconic lines. This movie is really well written. I think the pacing of it is awesome. It Once it gets started, it does not let up. But no. it also doesn't let the action overwhelm 
your general interest in the story. As much yeah. as you are enjoying watching McLean tear through German villains, you're also watching riveted by the compl- like what is the mystery behind this, you know, this uh heist, right? Yeah. And and so there's so many elements firing at once. In terms of is it a Christmas movie? Is it Christmassy? Uh, do I remember it as Christmassy? I think only because so many people talk about it at Christmas and because it ends up on so many of these lists. Outside of that, if it wasn't for that, I feel like I would constantly forget that it was at mm-hmm. Christmas. You have, you know, the openings. And, and I think kind of like what you were saying in terms of Hook, this takes place in L.A. So a yeah. lot of the, you know, outside of the Christmas party at Nakatomi, you know, Tower, you mm-hmm. would not, you don't get that anywhere else, mm-hmm. right? Um, yep. And there's a few, you know, references or jokes, you know, when he kills one bat and sends him in the elevator and yeah. it's just like, you know, whatever, stuff like that. But I don't, you know, you could easily take all those elements out. It does not affect this movie at all, right? right. Where you have something like Anna and the Apocalypse where it being set at Christmas really adds a ton of flavor to it. You could take that out of Die Hard and it would still be the exact same movie, right? Yeah. Yep. Now, that being said, Die Hard is fully intended to be set at Christmas. So a lot of so to answer the question of why did the writer choose to do that? This is probably, you know, besides saying, oh, it adds a certain element or whatever, this might be the only movie where we actually have a clear cut and dry reason for yeah. that, right? So Die Hard was produced by Joel Silver, which by the way, also he also produced Lethal Weapon the year before, 1987. Mm-hmm. So he produced both Die Hard and Lethal Weapon to intentionally set them at Christmas because he wanted to ensure that they would be played on TV every December, thereby guaranteeing him higher residual checks, <laughs> right? And this notion was confirmed by Die Hard writer Steven D'Souza in an interview he gave uh, Days Digital, some publication or a, a, a journalist for Days Digital, where uh, Steven Souza told the whole story and was like, he straight up was like, I make Christmas movies set at, or I make these movies set at Christmas because we're guaranteed to get bigger residuals. <laughs> On top of that, it should be noted though that the source IP for Die Hard was a novel titled Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick mm-hmm. Thorpe. And in his novel, Thorpe also sets the events at Christmas time. So while Silver maybe can't take credit for the setting of the movie, it seems like it certainly may have played a factor in him optioning the rights for this movie. So, you know, if you ask anybody involved, is it a Christmas movie? They're going to tell you yes, because they want it played in December. But that's why I really like your questions, Tim, because does it have to be set at Christmas? Absolutely not. Is this therefore a Christmas movie? Absolutely not. But is it an alternative Christmas movie? Does it make sense that you watch this now? Absolutely it does. And it's fully intended to be such. That being said, Lethal Weapon, if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, so is Lethal Weapon. And I personally, I, I love Die Hard. I love Lethal Weapon more. I think the stories in Lethal Weapon... The characters are way better, and I just think it's a killer movie. So both of them are available on HBO Max. So if you're settling into one, might as well settle into both. 
Now, I'm not going to dump on anybody who goes to bat that this is a Christmas movie. But if your argument is anything more than just it's set at Christmas and I like watching it at Christmas because I it's nice to get a brutal killer action movie when everyone else is watching, you know, It's a Wonderful Life. Fine, man. I get that. But if you want to sit here and try to sell me on some nonsense that like, oh, much like Scrooge, the characters follow this blah, blah, blah and learn that family is the... Nope, I'm not buying nope. it. The producers straight up were like, we suck a Christmas tree in there so that you guys buy it in December and pay me more money. So it yeah. is a fully thought out marketing thing and not at all some bigger meaning behind the character arcs and the story and the writing and all that nonsense. So if you're trying to sell me like that, you you pack that bag and take it on down the road because I ain't buying it. Yeah, because if, if, if you're going to buy that, I will also sell you a uh, another movie you know, as I mentioned before, starring our favorite henchman James from Die Hard as the big bad in Ghostbusters 2, which was set over the Christmas season and ends on New Year's. And if you don't consider that a Christmas movie, then you cannot consider Die Hard a Christmas movie because they have equal amounts of Christmas in them. And I love me some Ghostbusters 2, but never once, even as a kid, did I ever feel like it had to be Christmas for me to watch that movie. <laughs> so for Die Hard, I'm going to give Die Hard an 8 out of 10, not yeah. having anything to do with the fact that it's a Christmas movie, solely on the fact that it is an excellent, excellent movie. Die Hard is hands down in the top three action movies of all time. This movie's an 8 out of 10. It is an absolute blast. It is a massive adrenaline rush, and it's got a few little quirky, funny moments. I think yep. it's Willis at his best. I think it is Alan yep. Rickman in one of his most memorable roles, and the two of them together, there's a scene where they share frame on the screen, and it is awesome. Awesome to watch. Uh, I highly recommend it. I was shocked when I found out you hadn't seen it. Um, <laughs> and if you want to sit there and, and claim to death that it's a Christmas movie, more power to you. But, you know, I, I, I it's not. It's not a Christmas movie. But a fun one to watch if you're looking for something a little bit different. Uh, yep. What about you, Tim? What do you think? I th 8 out of 10 is exactly where I was going. Um, I would take off points because i have nightmares about not having my shoes on and like that to me that means i am <laughs> not prepared like you know like the old saying is like going into sh into battle without your left boot on like i have nightmares like i can't find my shoes and i have to be doing this important thing or i am at in this important place and i don't have shoes so that drives me nuts in the entire movie that this poor man doesn't have his shoes and like I know it's a through line for the movie. I've you know I, I've seen it referenced enough. And the part where he finds shoes, I was like, oh wait, he actually finds shoes, but no, they don't fit him. And I just huh ah. And when he's bleeding to death, and at the end when he swings over the the edge on his fire rope and he's kicking at the window and there's bloody footprints everywhere, I just feel so bad for this man. And knowing if I was him, I wouldn't be able to take these guys down because I'd be too worried about the fact that I don't have my shoes. Tim, you and I share so much in common that it frightens me sometimes. <laughs> I So I was, it was beaten into me as a child. So my mother has a story. She was at the beach or something like that. And she used to run around barefoot all over the hills of Puerto Rico, right? 
And yeah. I mean, she was like half Tarzan woman, um, <laughs> apparently. So, but she she has a story where she was at the beach and she stepped on some kind of a bottle, like a glass bottle or a jar or something. Uh, maybe it wasn't yeah. a beach, maybe it wasn't whatever. The point is she stepped on something glass and it broke. And she, to this day, has this pretty intense scar on her ankle where it cut her real bad. And so Oof. I remember as a child, my mom was like, anal about everyone wears shoes um yeah. you know so as a kid like i could be butt naked but i had to have socks and shoes on another thing that bothers me is people who wear shoes without socks i don't care if the shoes are made to be born that way or worn that way they make socks that don't show they they make loafer socks they make all kinds of socks put something on you disgusting pigs but yeah. it is you know so i have a major phobia so my kids and my wife my wife grew up in florida she uh she would run around everywhere shoeless if she could um yeah. and so my kids that you know my son wants to run around outside without shoes or whatever i'm constantly like get shoes on you cannot go outside without shoes who knows hookworms i remember being terrified of hookworms as a child i don't know where i heard about them i never knew anyone who had hookworms but yeah. somewhere i learned that there were some kind of worms that would hook into your foot and like be parasites and all this uh -huh. other kinds of, so yes sir yes that part is but you know what i love about this movie it addresses it throughout the movie it's yes. not just this thing. And the setup for why he's shoeless is in this movie. It yeah. is, it is, this movie is so well written and so well thought out, right? Mm -hmm. It is set up in the beginning, why he's going to be shoeless. It plays out later on. He finds shoes they don't fit, you know, so, you know, the glass bit, all of it. It is, and that is just one part. This movie the, really, really does its job well. The glass bit like actually blew my mind because it took me a second he, when he was like shoot for the class i was like what is that gonna do and then i was like whoa wait a minute like he like they just it is just one step ahead where it just didn't you know it didn't make sense to me at that second i was like wait a minute that was purely brilliant he just debilitated this man it, it was it's great everything makes sense the decisions make sense absolutely uh, I, I will watch this again sort of mad that i that i haven't watched it previously don't worry buddy you've watched it now and now you get to settle into die hard with a vengeance tonight yeah yeah it's got samuel l jackson excited <laughs> all right so the last movie we're gonna talk about tonight might be my favorite of the bunch i was really pleasantly surprised so as much as we yeah. doted on some of these this one was a big winner for me. And that's While You Were Sleeping from 1995, rated PG, and it is available now on Disney+. Plus. While You Were Sleeping stars Sandra Bullock, Bill Pullman, Peter Boyle is in this one, mm -hmm. uh, Peter Gallagher is in this. There's a lot yep. of faces that you're going to recognize. Yes. And, you know, it tells the story. Sandra Bullock plays a train token attendant. Yeah, I, I equate her to... Uh for those of you in our DC metro area station manager at the uh, at the metro maybe <laughs> yeah 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 if they had to actually take tokens from people and do their job it wasn't jobs. just smart pass <laughs> um so uh she plays an attending she quote meets peter gallagher's character who plays peter in the movie you know from a distance she admires him is like you know in love with him wonders about mm -hmm. his story he's well dressed he's handsome all this kind of stuff and one day, Christmas Eve, he falls off the tracks because he's getting mugged and she rescues him 
while you know before a train hits him and he yep. falls into a coma and through a series of misunderstandings his family uh is led to believe that she is his fiance and so as not to cause any issues over the holidays or why they're already dealing with the stress of their son being under yep. you know she goes along with it but all the while she's falling in love with his baby brother jack or maybe yeah. Big Brother Jack. I don't remember who's older, and it doesn't matter. Uh, it Jack doesn't. is <laughs> Jack is played by Bill Pullman. This movie, I've seen it a thousand times. I love it every time I see it. And I made this recommendation because I absolutely remember this being a Christmas movie. It happens over the holidays. It, you know, she's pulling up the Christmas tree, and then they have a little Christmas party, and they exchange gifts. And there's all these elements that take place throughout the movie that resonated fully with me as Christmas movie when I remember it, um, which is why it's in this list. But it's also a really cute story. It's a yeah. lot of fun. It's a solid rom-com. So if this is mm -hmm. kind of more of what you're looking for and you've seen The Holiday a million times and you're not trying to watch it again this year, or maybe you're tired of your other, your significant other recommending that you guys watch The Holiday, but you know you've got to scratch that rom-com itch pitch them while you were sleeping and watch something different this year it's i love this movie i think it's really really well done and i think it's a lot of fun to watch yeah this is uh, another first for me I'm very familiar with the, the the movie somehow and just the premise of it my wife has seen the movie a lot she actually said she had forgotten it took place at christmas um so she was kind of surprised uh to remember that and i can see how you could actually how that could happen to you in this movie because it isn't christmas isn't the focus of it you know it, it, it isn't the main reason but it ends up being the most christmasy movie that we've watched really like the most dependent on it being christmas after some discussion that you and i had it, it makes a lot more sense um but yeah if you want just that fun holiday movie that that that's not you know over the top this was really cute and it it was it was a lot of fun I think one of the coolest things was the that uh, the grandmother is played by Glyneth Johns, as everybody knows her, the mother from Mary Poppins. And she yep. plays a great kind of almost senile grandma. I love her. Uh, she's hilarious in this movie. The family is a, a real highlight, as you would yeah. expect it to be in this type of movie. You know, you have these old people just yelling and bickering. The scene where they meet her for the first time absolutely kills me. There is a lot to love about this, and it takes place from Christmas to New Year's. And like what you were just saying, you know, do I remember it as Christmassy? Yeah, and, and apparently some people may not. Does it have to take place at Christmas? And I would argue that on the list, like you alluded to, Tim, this is the only movie that does. This does yeah. have to take place at Christmas because I think a lot of things have to come into play. Number one, that family needs to be brought together so that they can mm -hmm. all come in and provide that comedic element when they're all together. If it's not Christmas, you know, Jack might be off one place. Peter never comes home anyway. We're led to believe they haven't seen him in ages as it is. Yeah. Um, the fiance has to be out of town and all this other kind of stuff has to happen. Additionally, in order for her to actually have her meet cute with Peter, he's being mugged on the train platform and then he gets knocked off on the platform. And I feel like it has to be Christmas for this to work out too. She's working on Christmas Eve. No one is taking the train at Christmas. That platform is practically empty. You know, if there were more people, maybe he wouldn't get mugged. If he did fall off the tracks, there'd be more people to help him out. And maybe the meet yeah. cute doesn't happen. There's a lot of reasons why. Additionally, 
she has no family. And so she is feeling the hurt and the loss and the pain and the hard times of having to spend another holiday alone. And and the reason she's working at all, and her boss tells her, right, you're the only yeah. person who doesn't have family. Everyone else wants to be with their families this time of year. Yeah. So all these things have to tick and you need Christmas to make that happen. But additionally, her missing and longing for family at this time of the season also contributes to her more willingly playing up this idea that she's the fiance yes. and going around. This is not something she propagates intentionally and she wants to set the record st straight early, but now she, this thing she's been longing for, she's being given exactly at the time where she wants it the most. Yes. And again, you need Christmas to make that happen. So I think of all the movies that we're talking about here, while it isn't like super in your face and the main crux of the movie is the love story, the romantic comedy and all that kind of stuff that comes along with it. I think that of all the movies, this is in fact the most Christmassy of the bunch. Yeah. I, I think you said it absolutely perfect. Um, you know, if this happens at any other time of the year, it's easier to say, Oh, I'm not coming over to your house for Sunday dinner. Right. Right. But that, that, filling that void just kind of, you know, speaks a little louder. I mean, I'd, I'd go out of my way, you know, if I, a normal year of spending Thanksgiving home and somebody's like, Oh, do you want to come over for a Friendsgiving? I, you know? Yeah, sure. But if somebody else is like, Oh, you want to just come over for a Thursday night dinner? Ah, nah, I'm good by myself. You know, <laughs> yeah. Thursday night, It's fine. But you know, when you're supposed to be around people and, and you're missing your family, uh, it, it, it excuses her not telling them right it excuses right. her not owning up to that fact i mean eventually she is encouraged by the neighbor to not fess up so i mean he's just as guilty as she is he encourages her not to come clean you know in order to help the family through their crisis um but yeah i i absolutely have changed my opinion um you know based on on those facts uh when you really boil it down to those pieces yeah if it doesn't happen that way then there's no movie, <laughs> you yeah. know, there's nothing happens. So they, they go about their lives and she probably marries her landlord, Joe jr. And that's the <laughs> end of it. <laughs> I got to believe she doesn't do that. What? Um, <laughs> she's got too much self-respect. Um, but he had ice capades tickets, Frank. Dude, that's a way to the girl's heart. He kills me in that movie. It's great. With the freaking shoes. Um, what, uh, <laughs> what did you give it? Um, I'm going to go, I'd go seven out of 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, it's got a, a lot of heart. It's got a, a a great cast of people. I mean, you, you will recognize a ton of people in this movie. It was just, it does absolutely scratch that itch without being over the top. And it's, you know, not hitting you in the face and you understand everyone's actions and why the holiday plays into it, but it doesn't have to be the holiday. I wish they were wearing heavier coats for Chicago in December. I thought that everybody was cold <laughs> a lot of the time, <laughs> at least what I know of Chicago. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, again, what we set out to do with this episode is if you want something that, that checks that box, but is not going to be too saccharine, then this is a great movie to kind of settle into and add to your repertoire of, of things to, especially maybe early in December, you know, as you're easing yourself into the Christmas spirit. This is a great yeah. movie to watch Thanksgiving weekend. It was perfect. It wasn't too over the top. It was family centric. Um, it's a nice, clean movie, except for the weird part where they 
make them make Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman kiss under the mistletoe while her fiance is in a in a coma. Uh, my wife was like, can you imagine if my family was like, hey, you have to kiss my sister under the mistletoe? I was like, yeah, no, that's Dude, really We said really the strange. same thing, which is why I was like, we've never hung mistletoe. Mistletoe is the <laughs> stupidest thing ever. And right? it just makes it awkward for everyone. So, um, yeah, no, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Um, and again, I think this comes out as the most Christmassy of our um, possibly not alternative Christmas movies. Yeah, uh, I think that's spot on. I, I'd go a little bit higher. I give it an eight out of 10 mm-hmm. just because, you know, I do love this movie so much. I think it is a solid, solid rom-com even outside of the Christmas theme stuff. Yeah. You know, I think it's Sandra Bullock really at one of her best. I, I think yeah. I'm not a big fan of Bill Pullman. I like him a lot in this. I think he's charming and he he doesn't, you know, yuck it up like mm-hmm. he tends to do and and like you mentioned just a, a a supporting cast of people that you really really love and who do a really great job together you know you also mentioned that it's good and it's clean it just so happens i was watching this on the tv uh i think like on saturday my wife was watching along and our son was you know doing other stuff and and he popped over and started watching it and i had no problem he ended up watching mm-hmm. half the movie and wanted to finish it like he yeah. really enjoyed it so so it was, uh, you know, I thought that was unexpected, but you yeah. know, this is absolutely something you can throw on no matter who's in the room. And, and I really like what you're saying about having this be one of your transitional movies that kind of brings you in because yeah, I think it plays really well at Thanksgiving and, and can be one of those introductory things. It's a lot of fun. It's a solid rom-com. It's got some really great elements and, and the story is good and it's, and it's complex enough too, right? You're following Mm -hmm. a lot of threads. You've got the budding romance. You've got the, the longing romance. There's a few twists and turns in there with some other people being involved in this seemingly triangle, become square, become (laughs) Pentagon. You know, you've got a bunch of old people, yelling and screaming at each other, which is always <laughs> hilarious. And then you've got the father-son dynamic that's playing yeah. out at the same time. And, and you know, what, what do you do with the family business and all this other kind of stuff? It's just a solid, solid movie. It was my favorite of the bunch, like I said. Mm-hmm. Boom. Eight out of ten. So to bring it all home, what did we talk about? Where can you watch it? Gremlins is on AMC right now. Skip that one. Watch mm-hmm. Hook instead, and Hook you can watch on Showtime, or just buy it. It's super cheap right now. I think I paid like five bucks, seven bucks for it. Yeah. And then Anna and the Apocalypse, you can watch that on Prime Video. Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, both available on HBO Max. Thank you, Joel Silver, for your Christmas contributions. And While You mm-hmm. Were Sleeping on Disney+. Plus. I think... That wraps up our first rewind of the holiday season. And I think it sets the stage perfect, Tim. I'm super excited to dive into some more Christmassy goodness. Yeah, I got all the snacks, all the Christmas beer. I'm going to go mull some more cider. I don't have to leave the house until the baby's born. So I got my Christmas, one Christmas tree already up behind me here. I'm ready to roll. I'm happy and ready to roll. I got to go get some Christmas tree cakes. I need that in my life this year. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. So what can we look forward to? Next week, we will bring you our deep dive episode where we will be talking about the modern contemporary Christmas classic, Love Actually. We're going to dive into Love Actually, and we may have a guest host next week. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, that should be fun. 
And then right after that, we will have an episode right before Christmas, the Thursday before Christmas. We'll do another rewind where we're going to talk about our must-watches for the Christmas season. So these are going to be more of your traditional Christmas movies, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that, uh, that we're not really talking about here today. And then after that, we will go on break for Christmas and mm-hmm. we will come back through the magic of podcasting with yeah. our New Year's episode. And then after that, we will go on break for the month yeah. of January. Yep. So a short break to let Tim uh, settle into his new life as yeah. a dad. Today we're, we're coming up. Uh, today is Monday the 30th. You'll be hearing this uh uh, this coming Thursday, so tomorrow, Tuesday the 1st, that gives us 20 days until the due date. So I am plus or minus 20 days from having a baby. Oh, yeah. So we uh, we will come with all that and uh, let Tim get settled in before coming back the first Thursday of February with Season 2 of the Pause Reviews Podcast. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what you can expect in the weeks to come. Uh, But next week, Love Actually, be here. Check it out. It should be a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll get our guest on and it should be a blast. Fun way to continue to prep for this holiday. As always, you can check us out online, www.pausedreviews.com, where our stuff is hosted by the awesome, incredible, amazing Podbean. You can also check us out in the Podbean app, available on iOS and Android. Or, of course, we are in all of your favorite directories. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever uh check us out download like subscribe leave a review all that stuff is hugely helpful and we appreciate every single one of you you can reach us via email pausedreviews at gmail.com and of course on instagram where we post all kinds of fun stuff throughout the week uh at pause reviews so check us out there shoot us a dm comment on something whatever we are here for you yeah Get ready to see how many Hallmark Christmas movies can Frank watch this month. All of them. I will watch (laughs) all of them. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's going to be an interesting ride. My eyes are going to bleed green and red. You're going to have dreams, nightmares, fantasies that you're married to Candace Cameron Bure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, man, it should be good. I'm excited. Otherwise, we look forward to seeing you guys next Thursday for Love Actually. We hope you guys have a blast decorating or doing whatever it is you're doing. And until next week, I'm your boy Frank. This is Tim. We will catch you on the next one. See ya. Yeah.